welcome to The Doctor Diaries, a podcast which will take you behind the scenes of the intriguing medical world. Join me, Hanya Rovesby, as I chat to our guests who will take us through their insights, experiences and ideas as an expert, thought leader and trailblazer in this space. Today, we're joined by the amazing Michelle Wong. Michelle's a 30-something science educator with a PhD in chemistry. She's based in Sydney, Australia. She started a business called Lab Muffin almost 10 years ago as she was frustrated with the beauty blogosphere that didn't have enough easy-to-understand explanations of the science behind beauty products. So welcome today with us, Michelle. So yes, tell us more. How did this all start? So, yeah, I was doing my PhD in chemistry back in 2011. Yes. And yeah, so my PhD was in supramolecular and medicinal chemistry. And I started looking at what skincare products to buy. And I found that there just wasn't very much information out there about how different products worked. So I would look at a cream and it would say reduces wrinkles. And being a scientist, I was like, but how? What receptors is it working on? How is it actually doing that? Does it even do that? And so I just started looking into it and I realized there were so many myths. I was also, of course, like I had lots of friends and they were also interested in beauty products and being the science person in my group, they would ask me, so should I be avoiding this ingredient? And then I would look into it. There wouldn't be that much information. So I would end up looking through the literature, looking through textbooks, looking through peer-reviewed studies. And I realized, firstly, I needed to write it down because I have an awful memory and I would definitely forget <laughs> And I also realized other people must also be looking for this information. So I thought I'd put it into a blog and yeah, it blew up from there. So I had a blog in 2011. I started my Instagram account. I started using it more around 2014. And then I started a YouTube channel in 2017 as well. Fantastic. That's amazing. So to go from being a chemistry PhD student to having an interest in skincare for it to become what it is today. So what is it today? Tell me more about Lab Muffin. So yeah, I still write blog posts about the science behind beauty products. I make YouTube videos. I also have my Instagram account, which is active. And yeah, I also do a bit of consulting on the side, a bit of freelance writing. And I also sell an ebook, which is about the basics of skincare. Fantastic. And who's your audience do you find? Most of it is overseas. I think it's because Australia is just such a small country. We just don't have that much people online. And I guess my information is just quite global. It's not really Australia specific. In terms of demographics, it's mostly women in like between the ages of 25 and 35. Right. And they um, come to you as a place to sort of look at the products that they're considering. And do you do a lot of comparisons of products? I do quite a few product reviews, but I found that most of my information is probably not product specific. So it'll be more about ingredients or about particular techniques and things like that. Interesting. That's um, very, very valuable, obviously, to the consumer. Or So what, what have you found? What are some popular things out there and then you've busted the myth that that does work or doesn't actually work? <laughs> 
So I think the thing people mostly ask me about is sunscreen because there's so many things about sunscreen. I think because sunscreen is kind of complicated, a lot of people have just made up myths about it. So things like chemical sunscreens absorb UV and physical sunscreens reflect and scatter UV. Mm -hmm. um, that's not actually true. Physical sunscreens actually absorb about 95% of the incoming UV as well, and only about 5% is actually reflected and scattered. Mm -hmm. So this is a myth that is everywhere. I've seen so many dermatologists say this in the media. It's even on the American Academy of Dermatology's website. So there's these myths out there, even though there are studies, there are like from a chemistry perspective, there are lots of studies that have found that that's not the case. Most chemists who are familiar with zinc oxide and titanium dioxide know that it mostly absorbs UV. Other things are things like, um, I think there are just so many myths that come up. I end up having to bust a lot. So whether or not screens, for example, will age your skin, I think over the last year, because everyone's working from home, mm. everyone's wondering, maybe staring at a computer all day is making my skin age because of the blue light. And does um, it's really insignificant compared to the blue light from the sun or maybe even from our lights at home. Mm. So I think a lot of beauty companies, they pick and choose the science they tend to promote. So when there's an opportunity to sell people extra products to protect their skin against blue light, they're going to cherry pick the information they give you and they won't straight up lie, but they'll lead you to believe that maybe you need to buy their product. Right. Is this the main motivation for Lab Muffin there to be a font of the right information? Or yeah. have you got your motivations? Do you work collaboratively with dermatologists or industry uh, with this amazing information? So it is mostly just putting out the correct information out there. Sometimes I do collaborate with different people. So I've collaborated with dermatologists, toxicologists, other cosmetic chemists. Yeah, I do lots of collaborations, but yeah, it's anywhere where there is information that needs correcting, I'll look into it. That's amazing. And can I ask, is this your main work or is this a side hustle for you? It started off as a side hustle. Um, and then I think in about 20, around 2017, I realized it could actually become a full-time thing. Yeah. At the moment, it's about 95% of what I do. So my other job, my other big interest is actually education. When I was going through my PhD, I realized I loved the teaching component of the PhD much more than the research component of the PhD. I think when you're doing a PhD, it's quite tricky because you are pushing at the edges of science and things don't tend to work. And a lot of the time you don't see the impact of what you're doing. It might never have an impact. It might impact the world in 20, 30 years. So I personally found that really frustrating. I didn't like that uncertainty. I really respect people who can happily chip away without seeing any reward, but I couldn't do it. So a lot of the teaching where I could immediately see students start understanding things, that was really rewarding to me. And so, yeah, as my day job, I think in 2014, I was hired by a tutoring college in Sydney, one of the bigger ones as their head chemistry teacher. And so I was it was actually really good because I got to interact with students and see how they responded to different ways of explaining. I also helped them write their textbooks as well. 
eventually I was like the sole, I started off as the sole author. And then eventually I ended up heading up a team for writing textbooks. And so all of that has kind of fed back into what I do with Lab Muffin. So a lot of my explanations, a lot of my presenting style and stuff like that is from teaching. And I still teach three hours a week. That's amazing. Yeah. There's a real skill to teaching and getting that information out there. I I totally agree. You would have learned a lot and I'm assuming a lot of the people who read your information are non-chemist, mm. PhD, science people. You're bringing it to the, the wider public. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting because I I guess I try to make sure it is very accurate so that anyone who has that higher understanding can see that um, it's accurate and they it's actually... I guess, credible as well, because I think a lot of the time when you try to oversimplify things, you can end up introducing inaccuracies. And so I think it's a really fine line, a fine balance between explaining it clearly so that anyone can understand it and also making it accurate. It's actually quite a fun line to kind of tread because it's really challenging to get that right balance where experts will agree with what you say and also gain something from what you say, as well as your general consumer. Yeah. It's really interesting uh, that you've taken that sort of route to give us the real information. So I think as a business, though, commercially, you're going opposite to the skincare businesses, like a, um, I won't say a competitor to them, but you're there challenging them all the time. How do they take that challenge from you? So it's interesting because I don't think I am always challenging them because some of these myths are actually things that companies are frustrated about. So for example, the fear mongering around particular ingredients, things like parabens, a lot of companies don't like that because if you don't use ingredients that are actually safe and effective, even if they sound scary, they end up making worse products that go off more easily. Mm-hmm. So it isn't always in opposition with them. I've collaborated with a lot of brands, um, but I think they see me as a bit of a wild card because depending on which way the science goes, I just follow that. I think when I first started, there were a lot of companies who treated me like your general influencer. They would just ask me to promote a product and I would say, "Mm, I can promote these three points, but this one is actually not correct. And I don't think they were used to that. Now that I'm bigger, I think they know what they're getting when they approach me. Mm. So a lot of the time companies, when they approach me now, they do it through their scientists. So they'll get their formulators to join in the Zoom call as well, as well as the marketers. And then we discuss and then we talk about what they want me to do. So yeah, I think for a long time, the beauty industry didn't bother explaining the science to consumers. They just assumed that consumers weren't interested or wouldn't understand. And I think now they realize that they should. People want to know what's going on. People trust the science a lot more. Mm. And I guess they sort of use me as a conduit to explain it. Um, yeah, so I've done collaborations with Sunsense, for example, um, Neutrogena, lots of very science-based brands. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that this whole landscape, you've been in this landscape for a while as well. And the amazing Dr. Devin Lin introduced me to you, which is uh, very exciting. And he also reviews products and and looks into the sort of the science of the skincare, mm. which is completely different, as you said, to what even 10 years ago, this wasn't anything that was really looked into and that it's been investigated scientifically. Where do you see this all heading and how will this change the landscape of skincare? It's interesting because at the same time as 
people are getting more interested in science and people are really looking to the science, companies are also starting to use the science as a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. So you can see with some of the newer brands like The Ordinary and The Inky List, they put their product names front and center, like the ingredient names. So now I think a lot of consumers are very comfortable with that sort of vocabulary. They use words like niacinamide, whereas I think five, 10 years ago, companies were scared to use anything apart from vitamin B3 because they were easy words, but now niacinamide. Everyone knows, either knows what it is or they're interested in yeah. what it is. So there's a lot more openness to this sort of scientific information. But at the same time, I think a lot of companies are still trying to pull the wool over consumers' eyes with the science, sort of like blinding people with science. So yeah, I think the focus has sort of shifted from explaining very basic science to trying to tease out the subtleties where consumers are being misled. Yeah. I agree with you. And um, I think it's across all marketing that they understand that the consumer's a lot more sophisticated than they ever gave them credit for before. And they are using the terms and things that consumers do want to know more and they do want to sort of know the science behind it. And it's good that they're promoting that to them, definitely. Have you ever been tempted to put out your own product line with all the knowledge you've you have. So in terms of starting a skincare line, I've definitely thought about it. And I think maybe it's maybe in the future. Um, But right now I think the market is quite saturated. And so I don't really feel like I have anything that I would bring to the market that would be better than what's already there. So I think until I see something that the market needs, I don't think I'll launch anything. No, no, I hear what you're saying. It is quite a saturated market. It's interesting that there's a lot of of the doctors and dermatologists that do just that. They put out a new Mm. skincare range and that the point of difference is, I suppose, the science around what they're doing and bringing it to the market. But it's interesting that those bigger players, um, I was interested, I saw an ad the other day with Eva Longoria and uh, it was L'Oreal, I think, and she was teaching the consumer how to say hyaluronic. Have you seen that? Um, no, ad? but that sounds hilarious. <laughs> She's got three dots on her face and like that's going to change the whole thing. But yeah, it's interesting that that sort of education to the consumer is the way that it's going. Do you look into it all? I know you're looking at all the skincares, but mm. the science and how it works together with all the injectable fillers and the laser companies, uh, laser lasers available to provide treatments and the whole gamut of um, services, threads, injectables, lasers, and then how it works with the skincare and what's most effective? So I've only really just started going into the more procedural sort of stuff. A while ago, I did Botox in my masseters. I'm currently undergoing some laser treatments as well, and that's all going into the blog. Um, Those were actually collaborations as well. I think it's just because I'm I'm 33, turning 34 this year. So I haven't really looked into the procedures yet. And I don't feel like I can talk about them very, very well without having actually done them myself. I think even if I present all the science at the end of the day, the consumer wants to know, did it work? Did you like your results? Does it hurt? And so unless I actually do them, I don't think I can give a very good answer. I can't really make them feel like they know what to do. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm, I think, yeah, I am getting older and seeing a lot more wrinkles happen. I'm definitely going to end up doing more procedural stuff as I go on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear your perspective from a scientific point of view. I mean, there is a, already a lot of science around that, but just mm. your observations and broadening the scope 
definitely. So I suppose, Michelle, where do you see yourself moving after this? Like what's the next step for for Lab Muffin and what you're doing? Honestly, I think there's so many myths out there. I could very well just do this for the rest of my life. Um, I think I am working on a second ebook at the moment, which is on more advanced skincare. My first one was just actually on cleansing, moisturizing and sunscreen. The next one is on actives, which everyone wants to know about, but it's so difficult. There's so much material to get through um, and talk about. But yeah, I think that's probably the next step. Oh, I'd be fascinated to hear about that, actually. That's a very, very contentious area in terms of which company is providing what actives and what actually works. Mm. And And also the evidence they can even give you because of the whole drug versus cosmetic regulation. Mm. Like there's so many things that brands actually can't say. It's a weird situation because brands obviously are trying to puff up their product and make it sound like it's doing more than it is. But at the same time, sometimes an ingredient will work in a drug-like way, but they have to pretend it doesn't so that it still slides under cosmetic regulation. So it's a weird, a weird balance, a weird line that companies are trying to tread because of the very weird legal situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So true. So true. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. It's fascinating. I can't wait to sort of see more information and the fact that you're, yeah, you are the wild card or You're even the lone ranger, I'm going to say, out here, like bringing this amazing information. It's fantastic. So um, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Doctor Diaries. You can find out more about our amazing guests on our website, hanyaroversby.com.au or join our Instagram page, Dr. Diaries Podcast, to find out more about our podcasts. We look forward to you joining us again.